Hello there, dear listener, and welcome to episode number 27 of Nerd Out Consumed. Now, uh, feels a bit weird me bringing this up, but this episode actually coming out on my birthday. Now, I'm not turning 27, but for the sake of this episode, let's just say that I am. Yes, that's right. Hello and welcome to Nerd Out Consumed, episode number 27. Uh, We're almost at 30, which is a big number. Very excited for that. Thank you for joining us, as always. Uh, This week, we're just going to be talking about all the usual stuff we talk about, all the movies and TV shows and games and books that we've been reading. Plus, we're going to go a little bit more into depth uh, on the Star Trek Discovery Season 3 premiere, but that'll be right at the end. So if you aren't caught up, don't worry about that. That'll pop in right at the end of the episode. Uh, But who is going to be talking about that? Well, me for one, one half of the show, me. My name is Sandro, and and I'm joined, as always, by Reese. Yes, you are. Hello. We will be talking about our usual stuff, but I want to ask you about that accident you had with that time machine, because you're 27 now. Yes, I am. So, yeah. I might ask you a few questions about that. Uh, I just slept for a really long time. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's how it works. I guess that's the effect lockdown has on you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Or maybe, although we'll save this for the Star Trek talk, maybe you... Uh, Jumped on board the Discovery. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But how do we talk about the normal stuff? How do we usually do this? Well, we usually ask a question. Mm. Uh, It's a question that, uh, just like uh, the timeline inconsistencies referring to my age, uh, the (laughs) the question, it doesn't make sense. Changes all the time. (laughs) A lot of the time. And yeah, it changes all the time. It's always popping in and out of various time, Mm. uh, times and, and places it could almost be called the Doctor. It could, it could. No, no rules of space and time hold this question. No. It, it does its own thing, mm-hmm. and it saves the galaxy quite, quite regularly as well. The, the, that question is, and I will direct this at you, Reese. Oh, what have you been consuming lately? Oh, there's a there's a fair bit here, but a, a fair bit of it is similar to last week's list. Mm. There's a new thing, because if you don't know, I'll be very quick. I've started streaming on Twitch, and I've got a bit of a schedule. If you want to find out when and where, no, you already know where. It's on Twitch. Anyway, (laughs) if you want to know when and what I stream, uh, go and check out twitch.tv.com. No, just TV slash Reese Parton. Anyway, it's my name on Twitch. (laughs) And I play Spider-Man on hard mode. For most of my streams, and then on Friday nights, I play Ghostbusters the video game. But recently, I also played another game, and I was taking part in somebody else's stream, my good friend Bam from Bam Makes Games. I played Rocket League with him, mm. and uh, you were, you saw that. You, you were there. I did, uh, yes. And you saw how it's hard to play on a console, and how it was my first time playing it, so I wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> Although there, there were one or two goals, and I got them, and I was like, Yes! Yeah, nice, yes. Uh, But yeah, I'm not one for sports, be it real sports or digital sports. But this has got the right level of fun that I enjoy it. Plus, it was kind of fun to be playing it and then slightly a few seconds behind me see the stream with Bam going, oh, yeah, you nearly got it, Reese, or actually you did get it. Uh, And that was kind of fun. And there was a good conversation going on, which uh, honestly, he's lucky that I wasn't typing because I I had a lot of opinions. (laughs) Uh, many of them. Yeah, we we realized. Oh wait, a rescan type. Let's have the, let's have a massive opinion on which franchises should die. Yeah, can't 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 get involved. And these guys have no taste in entertainment. <laughs> it was proven by that stream. Uh, no, it was fun. I agreed with a lot of what you said. In fact, I was about to suggest Star Wars anyway, at least on the big screen. Mandalorian, which is only like eighteen days away as we record, mm. is great, but. If they're going to make movies, they need to plan them. Yeah. So it was a discussion of things that they feel should die, and it was it was funny. Uh, every now and again, I'd just be able to write, no, or, yeah, yeah, that's had its time. <laughs> uh, i put it in big capital letters with a lot of exclamation marks if I said no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> but yeah, that was, a good, that was a good time. I've been doing a lot of Twitch. I've been watching and chatting and playing a lot on there. So not too much to say other than... I actually might drop Ghostbusters from the schedule. Oh, okay. It's not a bad game. It's not very good either, but it's not bad. But it's hard to make it entertaining to stream. I'm just kind of... It's very repetitive and not Uh in a good way. So uh, I think I might just play it and then review it on here. So what I'm considering is uh, doing what I'm doing with Spider-Man, but with the Arkham games. Mm -hmm. So play 
Arkham Asylum through on hard mode and then work my way through that series as well by the time I'm done with Spider-Man playing all sorts of games and streaming them uh, but I'll do superheroes on hard mode basically <laughs> nice yeah that's fun yeah I might start doing that for my next Friday stream excellent just because and I don't want to say too many bad things about the Ghostbusters game because it is a lot of fun and because it's written by the guys it's got their humour uh, it stars all four of them it was um, produced while they were all still with us but while there are lots of good bits, the repetitive nature of it is kind of just wearing me down a bit, and it's yeah, the sort sure. of thing that I could play when I could just sit there and be quiet, but while I'm streaming, I'm very much aware that I'm sitting there being quiet. Yeah, okay. But yeah, the humour and the characters are great. The gameplay is very repetitive, and I think that might come down to it being a remaster. I'm sure it was for a previous generation console. Oh yeah, this was like way, like, like 10 years ago. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that would be a bit more interesting, actually, because I'm sure you use the Wii controllers as opposed to... You know, both you of them as opposed to a PS4 controller. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. it's good. It's not terrible, but it's nothing to write home about either, I think. Yeah, okay. And I'll play it for the story, but I won't... I feel like I bored people with it, so I won't mm. do that for my next okay. next Friday stream. But there's not too much more to say. Like, I've already... I've, I every now and again gush about Spider-Man, and Spider-Man's still wonderful. I'm still playing it, still having a lot of fun. In, in fact... Those are my best streams because people like you and Bam and Tom from Definitely Not A Real Channel, who you should check out all of these people, they come along and chat. So uh, if you want to have a good, fun time, come and chat. And it'll be anything from the state of politics to what Ryan Murphy does well and what he does badly. Um, <laughs> it always seems to, to yeah, whenever the Bam and I are talking, we always seem to drift <laughs> into Ryan Murphy territory. It seems so, yeah. I'm here for it because it <laughs> kind of gives me a roadmap to follow if I want to get into his work. Yeah, which yeah, <laughs> you, you can. There's no reason to, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looks pretty. That's what Bam says. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, basically, if you want good nerdy chats, sometimes political and sometimes real, like I actually had a bit of a discussion about privilege on one of them just on the spot with uh, Bam and Tom from Definitely Not A Real Channel. I can't remember what inspired it, but yeah, I told a story about how I realised that white privilege is a thing by experiencing it firsthand. Anyway, that is a heavy conversation for this kind of show, but it's I wanted to make an environment where we can have those conversations quite naturally, quite easily, and then steer on out of them and do the sorts of things we do here, because I feel like my stream is the perfect combination of what we do here and something else that I like doing, which is getting very political. Yeah, <laughs> nice, awesome. Yeah, so come and join in for that. And of course, if you're not feeling like talking about politics and you're there in the chat, you could just let me know and I will tell you why Star Wars is still good. Bam. Um, no, I'll talk about, you know, whatever you want to talk about. Awesome. To a degree. So that was my sort of gaming and twitching and all of that. Although that, that sounds weird. It sounds like I'm just literally sitting here. Kind of. Twitching. Yeah. Oh, well. ah, that's fine. Yeah, go with it. <laughs> What about you? I'm going to ask you the time-travelling uh, question of what have you consumed recently? Uh, in terms of gaming and twitching. Oh, yeah. Well, I played I played Worms Armageddon. You did. <laughs> with uh, my fellow Paul Noodle PhD candidate uh, co-comedian, uh, Jacob, on his, on his ch- channel, Hail from the Pale. Um, we played that with our good friend Josh Cake. Uh, that was a bit of fun. That was a bit of fun. And you gave me a shout-out and a motivation, which I quite like. Yeah, whenever someone new follows, we give them motivation. That's that's really cool. Which was really fun. You did it in the style of a freestyle rap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it was the first time that we've played that game together. Um, the first time I've played Worms in like 10 years. Yeah. So we we were all not very good at it, but it was a fun night. We might do it again. I don't know. But yeah, that was a bit of fun playing some Worms. I could be very wrong because it's been about that long since I've played it, but I feel like you can't be wrong or bad at Worms. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those games where it's very forgiving. If you miss a few shots or whatever, you will eventually get there. Oh yeah, <laughs> make points. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a it, it is a very forgiving game. I don't know if you saw it, but for the final game, we put on unlimited sheep, and I somehow managed <laughs> to win the game by just sheeping people. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love that. I didn't see it. I'll be honest. I did disappear to watch Bam, but um, yeah, I was lurking. I was making sure you I got some views because he's fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it was all good. I was looking on Bam's stream while I was streaming <laughs> as well, so, you know. Yeah, spreading the love. Yeah. It still counts as a viewer. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, j- just been doing that, been playing 
DVD with my other friend as well uh, on her channel, Miss Mandy. So that's also been fun. I'm at a point with DVD where I've been playing it for a month and I'm already kind of sick of it, which is how I usually get with games. The gameplay, I usually get kind of tired of the gameplay after about a month. So Mm -hmm. I don't know how long I'm going to keep playing it for outside of playing with friends. But yeah, we'll see. (laughs) I do need to go back to Ghosts of Tsushima at some point. Maybe get Star Wars Squadrons as well, though. I don't know, that's not really my sort of game either, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm torn on that, because I've made it clear I'm a big Star Wars fan, but it just... I'm just not interested at the moment. Yeah. I think it's too much focus. I know it's got a single-player storyline, but it's too much focus on multiplayer games, and I'm just not much of a multiplayer. Yeah, that's fair, though. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, What else have I been doing? I can probably very briefly talk. I have been reading. I think I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, but I read Animal Farm again. Oh, yes. That was a very good reread. Really enjoyed it. Got through mm. it in a day. I think like a night. Two sittings, I think it took. Bloody hell. It's like 90 pages. It's a short read, but... Yeah. And also, like, the pages... The words on page compared to, like, a book like Dune. <laughs> One page of Animal Farm, on, <laughs> it's probably like three to four pages of Dune, so... Uh, one paragraph of Animal Farm is a one page of... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, um, have been reading that. And then also slowly working through 1984. I don't know why I'm reading that one so slowly. Uh, but I am, yeah, maybe because after Dune, I just felt like I needed a break from reading. That could be it. I, I don't know mm. why I'm going so slowly through that one. But um, I am. It's still pretty good. 1984, more like 2020. <laughs> hey, I swear I've made that joke before too. <laughs> you have. You I have. have. <laughs> it's, it's a good joke. It is. Very good. It is. And it's a really good book as well. Oh, I'm sure there's a reason why it's a classic. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know if I'll watch the movie. Apparently the movie's not too bad, but... What, real life, the documentary? Badum tish. Yeah. But the book is like... There isn't... I'm about halfway through, and there isn't really a story. Like, there's a character, and the character is doing things, but there isn't really too much of a story. It's just, like, a lot of concepts and a lot of world building. Although, you you don't need world building when when, when we're living in it. Hey! (laughs) How many more reactions can I get in like that? I sounded like a upper-class British person... Where I reckon you could come up with a whole sentence just out of reaction to something ridiculous. Yeah, probably. So, say something ridiculous that would outrage an upper-class British person. Upper-class British person. Oh, tax the rich. Oh, poppycocks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that is like an upper-class British person, but an upper-class British person in, like... Uh, the next Doctor or something like that episode <laughs> with Tenet. I had one specific. Likes to think he's upper class, but really he's oh yeah, a bit of a knob. Can you guess who? Um, Boris. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he speaks like one, but he's a clown. I almost forgot his name. Then I yes. only know him as a very explicit word. <laughs> Main yes. thing I've. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. He he could he could be one of the words in Take Me Home Country Road. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's some stuff I've been consuming. What else have you got? <laughs> uh, what else have I got? Um, I've watched some more of The Boys. Mm-hmm. Arguably, I was going to just say one episode, but just before we started recording, I was uh, sitting through trying to get another one in, and I realized, oh, this is an hour long. They're not all an hour long, but this one is, so technically it's one and a half episodes that I've watched. Okay. <laughs> But episode four, and that's kind of where it really won me over, I think. I think uh, I'm really sold. Okay. The characters have definitely been set up to be outrageous already, but this is where their outrageousness is starting to wear off on each other. And uh, I'll just say spoilers, big spoilers, because I'm going to talk talk about some plot points from Mm -hmm. The Boys Season 1, Episode 4. So look at the show notes and skip forward to the next section, because it is something worth seeing without being spoiled. Even I'm willing to admit that, and I've badmouth this show a lot um <laughs> but i really liked in the fact that it shows how horrible he is and even Maeve is starting to see how horrible homelander is but i liked what happened with the plane oh yeah <laughs> that was good that's the one where they came across they were trying to be heroes of the day and they they go in there and he's mr show off overkill and he thinks he's just shooting somebody's arm off and destroying a gun, but he destroys the cockpit of the airplane, basically, and they can't fly it. So he's just like, oh, well, let's just go. And 
Maeve is still basically a good woman. I mean, she's quite arrogant like the rest of them, but she's still, deep down, I think she's a good woman. Yeah. She's trying to convince him, no, just try and save someone, like, you know, or all of them. And he made a good point. He couldn't fly to and from the surface 337 times or however many people are on the plane and, and save them in time. But, you know, still she was trying to convince him to save someone and he doesn't and it crashes and she's haunted by the trauma, I'd imagine, in future episodes of little like a group of people some of them are kids are reaching out saying please save us and it's not happening and mm. that just i'm glad that they're not all as arrogant and not as all as evil as homelander and that there are repercussions to him being as dickish as he is yeah they have given some of them a conscience <laughs> yeah some of them <laughs> but yeah i've got a really love hate relationship with the deep as well cuz he crossed he crossed the line but he's also, he realises he's a laughingstock. <laughs> exactly like Aquaman is, stereotypically, according to memes. Um, yeah. You can hear that, can't you, behind me? Just faintly, yeah. Okay. There are kids visiting. It's it's fine. Screw it. I'm just going to roll with it. I tend to try and edit <laughs> it out. But listeners, I'm living with my family at the moment, including my brother, whose kids have come to see him, and they're having fun. Ah, well. It's a family podcast, whatever. Yeah. Well... It's a family environment. I swear too much for it to be a family podcast. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, there are other stuff in the episode I really like too. It's where um, Huey and... Oh, why am I forgetting names? And uh, Dewey uh, and Louie? <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. When they when they have a cameo, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, that was a weird moment. I was like, why are you bringing kid cartoon characters into this very not kid show? <laughs> No, Annie, Huey and Annie. Yeah. Their their relationship is developing more. I'm getting a feeling that there is going to be a relationship budding, but then um, I keep forgetting his name. Why do I? Um, Butcher, Billy Butcher. Mm. Carl Urban's character. Could have just said that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yes, uh, Carl Urban's Billy Butcher, he doesn't, he wouldn't want that, but he does want to use that friendship that's forming, mm. which shows that he's, such an a-hole <laughs> yeah, yeah but even he's i say even he but he is also becoming it's warming up on me like uh i just thought it was too much but the more i learned about his backstory i i, I like it mm. plus i love the conversation in episode five where he's talking with the priest about how <laughs> i won't say the word but you know what given god's back record i think he's a bit of a cr- <laughs> all right <laughs> Did you just call God the C-word? Yeah, I did. Think about it. I'm here all day. <laughs> I do laugh at his accent, though, especially because Anthony Starr is also a Kiwi, and you couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's fine. I love Carl Urban. He could do no wrong in, in his acting. Yeah. For me, anyway. He's very good. He is very good. Oh, yeah. He just yeah. can't do a Cockney accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, the main, that's the main problem. Because I keep forgetting it. Somebody said there was this British guy, you know, Cockney, I think, and I'm like, wait, who? Oh, yeah, that's... Let would be Carl Urban. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm warming up to it. Oh, there's one thing I didn't like, but this isn't really the composer's fault, who happens to be Daniel Pemberton, who's getting around a lot these days. Okay. But um, Hans Zimmer released this uh, plug-in for, like, uh, audio recording software, which is a lot of the synthesizer sounds that he used in, in movies. Okay. And it's got built into it the little motif from the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm-hmm. So you can hear... Oh, I was going to impersonate it, but that would just sound weird. But it's got the same rhythm, the same <laughs> pace to it. And it started playing in this, and it's like they just dropped a piece from Dark Knight into this. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. come on. But it was given out. You could buy it. It's just a preset. So it's not really Daniel Pemberton, the composer's fault. But I did kind of go, okay. oh, that's a ripoff. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, it was it was on that scene where um, Anthony Starr was awesome. Uh, they're standing on the beach where there are these bodies of... Uh, Men, women, and hold on, children, as he put it, <laughs> um, washing up. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's saying because they're trying to get a deal. By the way, the company uh, Vought is that the company they work with. They're trying to get a deal with the U.S. military to sign up superheroes as weapons. Basically, uh, some of the superheroes want that, some don't. Some senators want that, some don't. And he wants it because it's just a way to get more money, basically, and more attention. Because he's an arrogant so and so. Mm. So he makes the best out of a crappy situation in that regard by saying, if the military were using us, we would have had permission to get here and coordinates to get to soon enough. Which, you know, I don't agree with that. 
I wouldn't be supporting superheroes being used as weapons. Mm. But strategically, that was a pretty clever bit of writing as a TV show. And for that character, it was a bit pretty clever to do that. Yeah. Um, and brilliantly acted by Anthony Starr. He's great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, definitely uh, check out the show. Still got my reservations that it's with Amazon, but check out the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I'll mention it every time. You will. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's uh, another one of my things. What about you? Anything else? Well, uh, speaking of Amazon, I was... <laughs> you were on Twitch. Oh. I was... Uh, I was... <laughs> Yeah, well, that's true. I was <laughs> scrolling through, trying to find something to watch the other night, and um, I don't know why I felt like a Blumhouse movie. So I, so I looked out Blumhouse. <laughs> I felt like a Blumhouse, all right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, because they do some bad stuff, but they also do some really, really good stuff. I like mm. how they're like low, extremely low budget, but they make a lot of money because they release them at very strategic times and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. I do think that... Jason Blum is a pretty incredible film producer, just for those reasons alone. Hell yeah. Like, he knows just how to make a hit, like mm. a surprise hit. Uh, most of them aren't very good, but he knows how to make a surprise hit. Well, it's been funny to see it go from a studio where a lot of horror fans thought they... No, they didn't do wrong for a long time. They they were very strategic, but then when they started making more money, they're like, yeah, let's commission the ones that might not be so good. Yeah. It's been funny to watch them go from playing it carefully to being out, being in a position to just kind of churn them out almost. Yeah, and they do still do good ones. I oh, mean, yeah. they made Get Out, yeah. uh, which was obviously incredible. I think, did they have something to do with us? I'm pretty remember. sure they did, yeah. That was Universal, so I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure they would have. They're, they're doing the new, like, Halloween movies as well, which are, you know, pretty mixed. Uh, well, there's only one out, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pretty mixed reception. Obviously, I'm a massive fan of... um truth or dare and fantasy island because they are awful but so funny they are so they're so hilariously terrible i just can't get my head around that (laughs) i'm a massive fan of it it's bad huh oh yeah well like (laughs) i don't know what it is about those two movies but they're they're terrible they are atrocious (laughs) but they're very funny Mm -hmm. and i don't know exactly how i think it's the same as like riverdale they've mm-hmm. got that same sort of energy as like a riverdale that they're just train wrecks but you can't stop watching <laughs> yeah well i suppose i've got movies like that i recognize that the prequel trilogy is bad but i watch it hear that bam just the prequel trilogy is bad no um <laughs> i won't do that uh <laughs> Anyone could have their opinions on any of them, as proven by me. I like the prequels, but they are bad, but I'll watch them. Yeah. They're good, but they're bad. But they're also, you know, they're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a more thought-out story than the sequels. Ooh. Weirdly enough, they are. <laughs> they are, yes. Um, yeah, no, I can relate to that in some regard, but uh, that's because I still enjoy bits of those. But you, the way you talk about these movies is they're just so bad. I don't know why you bother <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think you've got to be in the right mood as well. Um, That's another thing. But yeah, like, sometimes I'm just in the mood to watch trash. It it, it doesn't happen that often. It's maybe, like, once every three weeks. But I'm just like, I could watch a really bad movie right now. So I'll go into, like, all the movies that I've been, like, keeping an eye out for. And I will watch uh, that weird Matthew McConaughey Anne Hathaway film. Serenity that came out last year that was atrociously incredible. Oh, that was a terrible movie, but also so funny. Ah, oh. so that is the mood that I was in. I was I was in that mood to watch one of those sort of Blumhouse movies. So I jumped on Amazon because all of the Blumhouse movies are on Amazon, and they have released four original movies um, on Amazon recently. I think it's called the Welcome to Blumhouse Collection. It's like four different styles of thrillers. But they all looked uh, decent, so I didn't watch those. Instead, I chose the start of a franchise that I have long heard about. It's a franchise that many people know because the premise is really good. Uh, And that is the premise that one day a year, there is a night where all crime is allowed. You You can do whatever you want. And Batman goes out to play. It's it's the Purge. It's called the Purge. Right. Yes. And I was like, "There's five of these, and it's and the TV show." So there've been five annual purges. Yes. Although I think one of them's a prequel. 
And then one of them is also the Forever Purge, which is like just a whole year, which doesn't make any sense uh, as to why they made that. But I know why they made that. Money. Ka-ching. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll s- sit down and watch the first Purge movie. I've heard a lot about this franchise. The concept is great. I'm looking at the cast. Ethan Hawke and Lena Headey are in it. That's pretty impressive. I will, I will sit down and watch this franchise that has to be good if it's got this many <laughs> sequels. Uh, yeah. Fast and Furious. <coughs> that is true. <laughs> uh, again, though, I enjoy the majority of the Fast and Furious movies. I know. But we've set up that you've got bizarre tastes, so... <laughs> exactly. And I only watch Fast and Furious. Well, no. How did I... I think I just... I watched them all in, like, a week. Yeah, I think you did. And I think... That was why I enjoyed them, because I was just in the mood of just constant action and just dumbness for a full week um, while on holiday, which, which, which made it better. So, uh, okay, some positives about The Purge. The big positive is, aside from the TV show, every movie is written by the same guy. That's good. That is pretty good. That's really good. Yeah. James DeMonaco, I think his name is. He also directed the first three. Mm-hmm. So it's very much his project. That's good. I like that a lot. I like that it's one person's vision. Um, I think there might be co-writers on like the later ones, but uh, you know, there's they're probably just producers with writers credits. That tends to happen. So that is a positive. I like that. Hmm. Another positive. Again, the concept is great. It's a bit of a satire sort of thing because they're like crime is down across the whole country it's just this one night it lets everyone go crazy and then crime is down for the rest of the year they do some funny stuff with that concept it is a bit of satire so that that's good that's good i i like that other positives there's one guy that plays kind of the lead villain and he was very good his performance was excellent is it like a mob boss that tries to capitalize off the crime? And if you bring me this stuff, I'll pay you or something? Um, no, actually. He is a private school student uh, yeah. who just really wants to kill people. Oh, no, you've said it. You've said it. Private school <laughs> student, master villain. Yep, makes yeah. sense. He's, um, because the idea is that like the rich hunt the poor as well. That's something that happens as well. So he's like one of the rich. Isn't that a movie with... Bit of Gilpin in it from earlier in the year. Oh, yeah. That was, oh, uh, yeah. The, uh, what was that called? The Hunt. Yeah, yeah. Th- that was real good. <laughs> that was a good movie. That just sounds like the same concept, though. <laughs> it's pretty similar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, except this is bad. This film's awful. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, unlike a film like Truth or Dare, which is atrocious in every single way, but a lot of fun. The reason that's fun is because there's stuff going on, there is stuff to laugh at, there is a plot that kind of takes you from different locations, and also a final act that is genuine. Like, I am amazed that anyone thought that that final act would be a good idea. With The Purge, it's all set in one house. Oh boy. Budget-saving move? Yeah, I mean, it only costs like $3 million, <laughs> so... Well, there you go, that would explain that. That would be it. But then I'm just like, okay, the whole concept is across the entire country of America, people go crazy for one night. They can do whatever they want. Why set it in one rich person's house? <laughs> Why is that what you do? Because it's all set in Ethan Hawke and Lena Headey's house. They got two kids. Uh, he's a security person. He does security for these nights. So the house is padded out. There's like... Uh, safeguards and safeguards and safeguards. The house is very locked up. But I'm just like, why set it in a house? (laughs) Yeah. You've got this concept. Not much crime could go on at home. It's like, that. yeah, they've got this concept and then all the movie turns into is, oh, there's some people outside your house they are going to try and break in. Because the first thing I thought when you said all crime is legalised is that a riot and looting can happen legally. Yeah, exactly. So why would not why wouldn't businesses be destroyed? That'd be a great time for insurance companies, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They do d- do that in the sequel, which is okay. Purge Anarchy, which is apparently better, but I'm not going to watch it. Um, <laughs> it is. I think it's just set in like downtown LA or something, and mm-hmm. there's like looting and gangs and everything. So it's all that sort of stuff, which does sound better. Yeah, because it sounds like what would happen. Yeah, 
And like this almost made a hundred million dollars. And I'm just I'm just surprised that That is a profit and a half. I know, right? Of a three million budget. I am just so surprised that anyone went and saw a movie with this good of a concept that's just set in a house. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not particularly interesting either, because obviously the lights are out for the majority of the movie. It's people walking around with flashlights, turning corners, and then they turn back, and then they turn back to the corner and oh something's there. <laughs> and you hear Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I hate horror movies. <laughs> it's not tense. It's not. There is like, on a three million budget, I was like, okay, it's set in the house. That's kind of disappointing. There's going to be at least like maybe a bit of gore, right? No, nah, there's nothing. <laughs> there's absolutely nothing. I think someone gets shot once. <laughs> <laughs> it's really tame and really mm-hmm. just kind of boring all the characters suck ethan hawk isn't very good in it which was surprising linda hetty does a decent job i feel like she was trying but ethan hawk was just i don't know he was just kind of sleepwalking his way through this whole movie <laughs> uh which is weird for him to do because he's so maybe good that at- was a character choice man it was the middle of the night yeah you know you'd be tired <laughs> method acting <laughs> it's just it's genuinely i was surprised at how boring this was were you because that's again based on my exposure to horror movies that's standard horror movie for me (laughs) well yeah but there's nothing here though that's the thing is (laughs) like most horror movies that i've seen there are some that like the franchise ones yeah but they usually start off with a really good movie i mean mm. uh or the majority of the insidious sequels are awful but, but that first one <laughs> directed by james wan is surprisingly tense and pretty oh. well made it's because he's a flipping genius james exactly wan. Yeah. yeah the same with like the first saw i hate the concept of every sequel but the first one <laughs> is really good and it is it is a bit of a satire as well isn't that because this concept of the sequels is the exact same film every time? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Let's find ways to have people who enjoy watching other people get hurt in disgusting ways get the gratification from that. Yeah, and in the first one, the worst thing that happens is someone's like, oh no, my arm's stuck in a handcuff. Go break it out. <laughs> That's the worst thing that happens in the first one. <laughs> Which is amazing. See, I could get behind that. That's a, a choice. If you want to get out of it, will you go so far as to potentially snap your arm to get out of it or something like that yeah exactly that's compelling enough but that i've seen clips of other ones where how's this person going to die in a horrendous way very slowly and drawn out screaming the entire time and what's the point of it yeah 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 that franchise just went in directions that are, are not good um yeah weirdly i think this franchise goes in directions that are better than the first film which is surprising yeah well i was about to say Maybe do check out the second one, even if it's just the second one, because I don't know why, like you said, they didn't go for the looting and the rioting straight away. Yeah. That's the first thing I thought of when you said all crime is legalized. That's why I made my Batman joke. Batman gets busy or something like that I said earlier. Yeah. And the opening credits do that. There's like soft classical music while you watch like uh, I love that kind security of thing, footage of all this stuff happening. Yeah. I love slow motion chaos with calm classical music playing over the top of it. Mm. It gets me. That aesthetic, any director that does that, you've got my attention at least for another half an hour. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. Yeah. But yeah, to rate it, like, I would probably go one thumb down. Mm -hmm. The only thing stopping it really from two thumbs is maybe two performances and a concept. Like, Mm. the concept is good, but I think the Rick and Morty Purge episode is just better. (laughs) Watch that. It's 20 minutes as well. So, you know. That's saying something. Yeah. I don't like Rick and Morty. Um. <laughs> yeah, I was just I was just surprised that, that there was nothing there was nothing in this movie. Yeah. That's the end of the sentence. That there, there was, there was no- nothing. There was nothing. <laughs> it was a nothing film. Yet it made a hundred million dollars, which just yeah. That goes to show that people have poor taste. Yeah, I mean, I think it also... I know it came out in the middle of the year. I was going to say if it came out in, like, January, that makes sense, because it's, like, a crappy January movie. But no, it came out in, like, June. So, anyway, that was a long rant about a terrible movie that had nothing going for it, (laughs) really. Even with a cast like that, and that is shameful. That's the thing, is, like, I wasn't just 
throughout the whole movie, I was like, oh, this is all this is. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever been that disappointed since maybe Paranormal Activity. Like, in terms of a <laughs> horror, like, when I saw that, I was like, you're just watching people sleep. This yeah. is boring. <laughs> See, if, if something had happened, somebody broke in the back door and they ran outside, got in the car, you'd be going, oh, finally, they're leaving the house. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But no. Oh, but they don't do that. Stuck in the house the whole time. A lot of Jesus. corridors. Bad movie. One thumb down. Uh, what else have you got? <laughs> well, I've got what we're going to treat as like the main segment of this show, basically, or the last little bit. Mm-hmm. So have you got anything else besides that? Mm, no, I don't. No, let's, okay. let's jump into the main thing. Yeah, we're going to jump into Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 1. Mm, the title, That Hope Is You, Part 1. Yeah, That Hope Is You, Part 1, but it looks like Episode 2 isn't called that. No. Part two. So that's kind of confusing. Maybe the first episode of season four will be That Hope Is You Part Two. <laughs> Maybe the finale will be part two. This Spoilers. Spoilers. But there's time travel going on. Uh, it says here the final episode's called Outside. So Maybe the first episode of season four will be called that. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, I, I will put out spoilers because I reckon we're going to talk about a fair bit of detail. Uh, probably spoilers for season two as well, actually. Yeah, definitely spoilers for season two. Yeah. Yeah. Star Trek Discovery, season three. It's out. It's here. It's great. <laughs> one episode, about 50 minutes. Yeah. I love it. We're getting one ep- weekly. It's yeah. perfect. I really liked how it doesn't seem like anything's carrying over from season two. Because when I started this, I went, wait, hang on. Why did this happen again? Why are they in this yeah. time? <laughs> and then there was one line with Michael being like, I've got to destroy the data. And I was like, oh, cool. Oh, did you did you skip the recap? Because there was a quick recap. Oh, yeah, I did see the recap. Yeah. Um, but that's enough. That's all you need. But even like then I was like, oh, wait, so they did that because of that? Hang on. Was that mm. the mum? I can't remember what was going on. Yeah. And then the episode started and she was like, i got to destroy the data. And I was like, oh, that's right. And then it got destroyed. And I'm like, cool. New story. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, I didn't hate that storyline. That was pretty good. The tension was, was really high in those last few episodes. It was like watching yeah. a really long movie. It was good. It was good. It was just that it was April last year and I yeah, you don't remember. just couldn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> so. But to quote you about what they bring forward, carry forward, they don't carry anything much forward, including the ship, the Discovery. <laughs> yeah. Including the entire cast, aside from Sonequa Martin-Green. <laughs> And I'm okay with that. She's a goddess. I'll watch her in anything. Yeah, she's... I mean, it's a, it's a great role. It's a great character. Yep. She does a lot this episode. She does, yeah. But it begins with someone we've never seen before going through this really repetitive cycle of... Uh, I really like the alarm clock. It was a, mm. a parrot of some sort with a clock on the side of it. And to turn it off, you wipe your hand through it and it disappears because it was a hologram. Yep. Yeah, that was good. And he looks like he, he sleeps in an Apple office because his bed... Looks like it comes from, like, you know, an Apple showroom or something like that. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Um, Nothing personal there. No, that's true. <laughs> this season takes place in the year, what, 3,105-ish? Somewhere around there, which is... Yeah, quite far. 900 years in the future from the previous season. Yes, which I which think... Which was 30 years... No, 10 years? 30 years. 10. One of those before the original series. I think it was 10 before the... Oh, wait, no, hang on. Spock is... I, I don't know. It was 10. It would have to be 10, wouldn't it? Maybe. Although Vulcans age slower than humans, so maybe not. Maybe it was 30. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I can't remember. But the the farthest we've been in the future when it comes to Star Trek is the final season of Deep Space Nine. So, yeah, there's still like a 800-year gap, 800 yeah. years in the future from that point. So we're very far in the future for this for this season. We are, yeah. They set up some things that are very different. They call her weapon an antique, one of the characters, who is awesome. We'll get to him in a minute. But it does feel like it's still Star Trek-y, especially Discovery, which some people say doesn't really feel like Star Trek. Mm, It's definitely not the original Star Trek shows. It feels pretty on brand for, like, the J.J. Abrams movies, though. Yeah, which uh, I thoroughly enjoy. Yeah, they're good. They're good. (laughs) I know some people don't, but actually on that note, let's just address some of the stuff that people have said about Discovery before. And this is actually a problem I've had with it. I think it looks gorgeous. I think the technology is awesome and, you know, how they pull it off 
off screen as well. Like they set up this amazing visual effects and sets and all of that. Only problem is the Discovery looks so much better than the Enterprise, which is meant to come after it. And yeah, because real life, the show was made, the previous show was made before this one. Budgets are different, etc. It just aesthetically got away with looking so much better than the original series, but it didn't ever sit right with me. Yeah. That's one thing that Enterprise did really well, was that it made everything look really bland and boring compared to the original series, (laughs) which was a good move because it is a prequel, but with Discovery, it's a lot more flashy and yeah, you're right. And um, that's not just through filming techniques, which just change anyway, and it's probably got a bigger budget than the original series as well. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, you can achieve so much more now on a laptop than they could in a studio type thing, you know, that just visual effects exist now, basically, Mm. compared to then. But another problem that a lot of people had was that the characters were doing a lot of things that felt like it was out of character for Federation officers and Starfleet officers. This episode very cleverly negates both of those problems by sending Michael Burnham, the main character, 300 years into the future, 900 years, sorry, into the future, and the Federation is basically dissolved and gone. Yeah, they're gone. <laughs> so, moving forward, there are no more Federation protocols. In fact, I bet our crew, when they do turn up, because they're in the trailer for the season, so they'll turn yeah. up. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet they'll be sure. trying to reintroduce some of the rules. But yeah, the good yeah. thing is the galaxy will have moved on a bit, so they might have to adjust the rules. And so it'll probably promote democracy and discussion about stuff, mm. um, which is going to be... Yeah. Fantastic, um, fantastic opportunity for some really cool storytelling. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's some of my issues with the previous season. The main one, the main issue I had was season two. Please say it was the Vulcan human guy. I mean, not the Vulcan, the Klingon human guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he was annoying. I'm glad he's gone. Um, he was good in season one, but in season two, I was like, ah, we're over this. Come yeah. on. I don't mind the actor at all. Sh- Shazad Latif is a great actor. Yeah, he's great. The he's great. character really got on my nerves. <laughs> I, um, the thing with season two that really got me was, I think in the second half, it was a lot of, like, chapter storytelling. Every episode was, like, they find one thing out, and then they do one thing to get them further towards the one goal that's going to be the finale. It felt very slow moving. Not in a bad way, but when you're watching it weekly, that can drag on a bit. Thankfully, it seems like with this season, based yeah. off the trailers and everything, they are going to be doing like a mission, an episode once the crew get back together and that sort of stuff, which I think is going to be really good. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. And then for the final three or four, I think four, those one things started to join together to be the overall story. Yeah. And then it was a huge, it was a really epic season finale. Oh, it was great. Last year. But the lead up to it was kind of very segmented and progressed a little bit of the story a little bit each mm. until you got there. Yeah, which is interesting because the, the season did start off very episodic. There was the Saru episode on, on his planet. Mm. The first episode was a pretty standard like Star Trek episode, Yeah, which was a lot of fun. I loved the season premiere for season two. Mm-hmm. It's very good. But then it was like, here's a whole episode where we're trying to capture the mum. Here's a whole episode where we're interrogating them, the mum. Here's an episode, oh no, the mum's escaped. <laughs> oh no. And it was like, okay, that could have been three. That could have just been one episode right there. Could have been one episode or it could have been a storyline where she's locked up and they're interrogating her in different scenes throughout the larger story. Yeah. Um, who was that guy who played who, the guy who turned out to be the villain, the bold guy? Because he was really good. Like They should have made the balance between seeing him bold guy. and... Uh, interrogating the mother and figuring out what's going on with that storyline. Mm. Yeah, I can't. But he was uh, in S- Sector 31, is that it? The Oh, right. Yes. Just can't remember his name. Again, there's a lot of last season that I don't remember because it was so long ago. There was a lot going on last season too. Oh, I just loved all the Pike stuff last season. Oh. That was my f- favourite. The fact that like he knows where he's going to end up, but he's, you know, he chooses to go oh, down no. that path anyway. <laughs> so good. So good. So, so, so good. That's something... I know that wasn't necessarily time travel. That was like hallucinations or predictions of the future. But this episode just reminded me how powerful and emotional time travel can be as a storytelling device. Mm, Yeah. It could be the acting as well, but I welled up towards the end just how Michael Burnham was asking questions about what's going on. And 
every character she talks to is like, how do you not know this stuff? Because a lot has happened <laughs> yeah. and it's common knowledge, kind of like the bubonic plague is common knowledge to people in our times. But I know it was a long time ago, but it's that sort of thing. A hundred years ago, a certain thing called the burn happened and everyone knows it except for Michael. And they ask, how do you not know this? And she eventually reveals, well, you know, I'm from the past. This hasn't happened for me. And yeah, stuff like that. And it's just the beautiful idea in this is the guy at the beginning of it is kind of like a receptionist for what's left of the Federation. That's how I read it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Basically sleeps in the reception office and he's been there for 40 years. His father before him was there and his grandfather was there doing the same thing, except he was never officially sworn in. So he's not an official Federation officer. And he asks her as a, an official Federation officer to fly the Federation flag and set it up. Mm. And I, ch I choked up. I thought, that's just such a sweet story. But it's also, if you imagine it, lifetimes dedicated to this one thing. Yeah. But for us, this happens in an episode. Yeah. And I love how powerful um, time travel is in storytelling. Yeah, that was a really, really, really good moment. Yeah. I like that a lot. Another character that we are introduced to is uh, the wonderful David Ajala playing a new character called A Book. Yeah. Um, I, I'm very f familiar with him. Is he a shepherd? Because <laughs> um, uh, he has shown up in Black Mirror, some good episodes of Black Mirror, but yeah. also uh, Supergirl. He was in the recurring cast for season three, I think it was, as, mm. as Manchester Black. Um, he, he, he was fantastic there, and it's great yeah. to see him in this as well. Uh, keeping the accent been a lot of fun it's a great character the comedic mm. moments between him and michael are great it, it's pretty obvious what they're probably going to do with those two characters but yeah My michael burner's becoming the oliver queen of star trek <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> and that's fine she's allowed to do that i'm yeah. not complaining <laughs> but yeah he's a great character as this like smuggler yeah. a smuggler but also like a a natural empath, as in he's yeah. got the power of empathy and he can communicate with flora and fauna. Yeah, which is so cool. Yeah. I love that concept of, like, preservation, which oh, yeah. is very much what Star Trek has been pushing for... Oh, yeah. 40-something years now, so... <laughs> By the way, there was a meme saying, oh, my God, when did Star Trek start catering to the... Social Justice Warriors, and then somebody said September 1968, yeah. <laughs> whenever the first episode aired. It, it always has. That's, yes, that's the whole point of it. It's kind of the main running theme of Star Trek. Yep. You really missed that, didn't you? There's an entire movie about whales. <laughs> <laughs> There's a movie about whales. There was a Japanese um, bridge crew member. Sulu was a high-ranking high officer on the bridge in an American sci-fi show in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, in the 60s. They brought in Chekhov. And there was a Russian as well. During the Cold War. <laughs> yes. The whole thing has been about put our differences aside, get on with each other. <laughs> that's the point of the show, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a great bit with uh, Book as well. His family, I think uh, maybe his race... Um, but he talked specifically about his family. Um, they all have these abilities, but they use it to hunt and be like mm. the dominant species. Whereas every now and again, there's somebody like him who's very empathic and doesn't want to do that. And I thought that was a, a nice storyline. It adds a lot to his character just from those few lines. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Okay. One moment that I didn't particularly like, and I'm interested to get your thoughts on it mm. was there was a point where Michael gets drugged. <laughs> it's not truth serum. Okay. It's not truth serum. <laughs> she just gets really high. Yeah. And starts talking like Tilly for a while. I like the reference to Tilly. It's like, I've got a friend with red hair. You can't give this to her. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I liked what she was... It was a weird moment because... She is so stern most of the time. Yeah, I don't believe that that's how Michael would act on drugs. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was still very funny. Yeah. And it is that case, you know, which some people have criticised this show for, as well as a lot of other <clears throat> star-related <clears throat> things, <laughs> is the humour feels out of character and out of your universe at points. They fly now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that line specifically in that film. But anyway. Um... <laughs> yeah, there's, like, the telephone joke at the start of Last Jedi. It's like, why would people on a spaceship have an answering machine? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like stuff like that. Wait, did is... you say that was a terrible joke? 
No, oh. I think it's a great joke. It's just in the context of the universe, I don't think that it makes sense. <laughs> I think that's why Hux got so out- outraged because it doesn't make sense, but it's because <laughs> Poe is being such a... Such yeah. He's arrogant and it, in the best way for us, annoying for for Hux. But anyway, that's a different, different mm. story. Um, I enjoyed that, but I could also see why people get annoyed by it. As for this, I think actually you're right. It's not really in character for Michael. But also, we need to remember, she's probably exhausted by this race. This is true. She hasn't had a rest since the season finale of season two. Yeah. And she was awake. Like, think about it. She was awake for hours on end during a battle in the season finale last year. Oh, yeah. And now she's been plummeting through. Like, I think she might have been knocked out when she first landed, but I don't think she was asleep for long. Mm, that's true as well. Because she crash landed in this. So I yeah, think yeah, yeah. She, she could be delusional as well. Delirious, I mean. That's another thing as well. The planet that, that the majority of the season takes place on is beautiful. It's such... It, it, it looks incredible. I don't know where they filmed, but... No, me either. Yeah. Great looking planet. Mm. See, what did I think of when I first saw where she crash landed? I thought it had appeared, she'd appeared in, um, like, the planet it, that's going to be in... Um, I forgot what it was, but I immediately thought of um, stuff like Arrival. The visuals were that good. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, there were a few moments, and I've had this issue with the show for a while, where it is in letterboxed aspect ratio, but they're still filming things like it's full screen. <laughs> yeah, Which, I get that too. Uh, I question why, but it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, I noticed that the most in the Jason Bourne inspired action sequences wide shots really cool in fights but when they're moving the camera around it seems extra shaky because it's letterboxed yeah there was a lot of uh, a lot of handheld action which i normally don't mind too much but you need to i've been watching a lot of corridor crew yeah and there's like a a language you need to put into a fight and a a fluidity you need to put into a fight, which also corresponds with what the camera people are doing and the editing. And they didn't have as much natural transitions through mm. this as they should have done, I think. Oh, I figured out where I thought they landed. I thought they landed on the same planet that uh, the Mandalorian ended on <laughs> in season one. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes, I can see that. Where Gideon climbs yeah. out of the ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. That's true. I was like, the camera turns around and there's a TIE fighter crashed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Epic crossover. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. But yeah, I don't know if there's, if there's too much else to say. I mean, it was a pretty... Uh, not too much happened in the episode. It just no. kind of introduced you to this new time. And I'm I'm very interested to see what happens. I wonder if season two is going to be uh, these same events, but from the crew's point of view. So we then cut to that would be Discovery. Or if the first arc is going to be Burnham trying to find Discovery. Oh, uh... I bet the first arc is going to be jumping between the two, and that might get annoying, actually. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. What if they start finding these locations with these other people and then go, there's talk of a, a woman about her height and this, that, and the other. We need to follow her. And then she's going somewhere else with book, and then she's going somewhere else with book, and they're trying to yeah, follow her. Yeah, that would get tedious. <laughs> that would get very <laughs> tedious. But unfortunately, I think that might happen. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what the arc is going to be this season, though, if it's going to be like... We don't think they can go back because another point people have made is there's so much happening in this show that surely would have gone in Federation history books and we've never heard about it in any of the other shows. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So they can't go back to the original time 10 or 30 years before the original series because then we'd have heard the story of the ship that flew Mm. 900 years in the future and back again. I've got a feeling they might show up maybe like 10 years after Deep Space Nine ends. <laughs> so maybe they go back to that point and then it's fine. They can do whatever they want from then on. Or at the end of season two of Picard, the discovery turns up. <laughs> oh yeah. That, mm. <laughs> <laughs> that could be interesting though, seeing those two crews go head to head. It'd be brilliant. It'd be interesting. Tilly talking with one of the holograms of the captain. Oh, that would be great. From Picard. And then Michael Burnham. no, not Michael Burnham. You'd have uh, uh, Picard talking to Michael Burnham because he would have read some secret files about her and know about her and he'd go, well, your mission was successful then or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Very insightful, wonderfully delivered by Sir Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Give him an Emmy. There we go. Exactly. You're welcome to the idea. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. Maybe that is something that will get me excited for Picard season two. No, that's Ooh, rough. <laughs> Alison Peel? <laughs> 
oh yeah it's okay <laughs> the writing wasn't very good for her but you know no, the writing was dreadful for her actually <laughs> oh you just tried to kill one of these people in fact you no, you did kill your lover but whatever shit happens yeah. You can hang around, it's fine. Let's move on. We've got a planet to save filled with people with weird makeup on or yep. something like that. Yeah, that was a weird finale. Anyway. It was a bit. You can hear our thoughts on that in a previous episode on the feed. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> did Rob and I rant about it as well? I feel like we might have. Maybe. We ranted a lot about Picard at the, the start of the year. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of Picard related. Oh, yeah. You guys didn't like the swearing. Eh, I'm on the fence about it. Rob's pretty anti- I didn't mind it when it appeared the first time in Discovery, but I feel like it's just a lazy way to get characters to yeah, express their frustration. Yeah. I didn't mind it when it was Tilly. He was just like, fuck yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that was good. I quite liked that one moment. But then, yeah, like with Picard, it was once every five minutes. I was like, eh, come on. Yeah, one or two of them from the captain, I don't mind, because he's the kind of character who would swear. But, you know, yeah. you look at Picard, he didn't swear in the show, which I'm happy about, but there are lots of characters who are above swearing. So mm. try and write more characters like that. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I think that's the episode. I think that might be the episode, which means it's time for, hey, we've talked about the <laughs> TV show that we watched and also games and other things. Mm. What are some movies and TVs and games and books that we <laughs> want to do next week? Oh, yeah, you mentioned books. Um, I have slipped on my reading front. I'm on a, I do want to try and read some more. Mm-hmm. I've been spending so much time involved with Twitch that it bites in the reading time. Yeah, that's true. But also, the book, I've said a few times now, isn't terrible, but I'm not as invested as I thought I would be, so maybe mm. that's why I'm struggling to get back to it. But I'd like to read some more of Star Wars Aftermath. Yep. A movie that I wanted to catch in cinemas, but I didn't at the time, uh, called Just Mercy, has just hit netflix oh is that finally out on netflix awesome yeah it's got um michael b jordan jamie fox and another marvel actor brie larson <laughs> yes that film looks really good yeah it looks amazing and i want to watch that i might watch it this week but i i just want to watch it in general mm-hmm. uh, what else i guess yeah more gaming but that's just a, a given when you become a, t- a twitch streamer <laughs> yeah but yeah like i said i might switch from ghostbusters on a friday night to playing the arkham games again so mm-hmm. i might do that I do definitely want to keep watching the boys, especially finishing off the episode I've just started. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we might how many more episodes of that I watch, but I also want to get into Doom Patrol more. Yeah. Not get into it more as in try to appreciate it more. I already love it. I just want to sit down and watch more of it. Yeah, for sure. So that's my little collection of stuff. Reading, nice. playing, and watching some stuff. <laughs> that's very good. Yeah, I want to try and finish 1984 uh, during the week. We'll see. Hmm. Again, we've kind of banked up on oldie buddy goodie and every episode's pretty much edited now so yeah i should have time to 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 do that but we'll see i'm two episodes through haunting of blind manor so i'm going to keep watching that before um hopefully i review it on the next episode of no doubts that'll be fun yeah um as you mentioned the boys that's Mm -hmm. the thing i'll probably do after haunting go through season two oh yeah because uh you were waiting for season two to finish weren't you yeah so you can binge it there's also a short film about Billy Butcher, and I don't know a short film. where that is. It takes place in between the two seasons, and I've been trying to find it, Ooh. and I don't know if it's even available in Australia yet, but I want to watch that before season two. Yeah. I think they've released it a couple of days before the premiere. So yeah, uh, I definitely want to watch The Boys. Um, I'm Yeah, I'm interested in season two. Again, the way that season one ended, it just kind of felt like an episode ended yeah, and there wasn't too much of a cliffhanger. So part of me wants to go back and rewatch that final episode because I, I honestly cannot remember <laughs> anything that happened because it just wasn't, it wasn't a big moment. I know when I saw that episode, I went, Oh, that's it for the season. Okay. <laughs> it didn't feel like a big like end of the season. So yeah, yeah going back to season, season two is going to be interesting for that. But yeah, uh, I should, I should do that before next week. It is October, so I'm mainly watching horror films at the moment, but I do want to watch The Trial of Chicago 7 as well, which is out on Netflix, Aaron Sorkin's new film. Oh, yes, actually. I'd go with that. i put that on my list too. I want to see that. Yeah, it looks good. The cast is great. Sasha oh, Baron yeah. Cohen is in it. I think Borat 2 is out next week, so I'll probably watch that as well. Um, <laughs> the, the subsequent movie film. Subsequent movie film. That's right. I still love that name so much. 
<laughs> subsequent movie film. Oh yeah, and the Gorillas album is out that that same day Ooh. as well. So I'm definitely gonna just listen to that and repeat it for ages. I think they're doing. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's so good. So yeah, quite a bit actually. Yeah. Before next week, but uh, yeah, we'll see how much of that I get through. Yeah, it's just kind of like I don't know. There's a lot out right now, but I'm mm. not necessarily feeling like I want to watch all of it, which is good. Because usually I'm like, oh, there's so many things out. I've got to watch this and I've got to watch this and I've got to watch this. Whereas like now I'm like, eh, I'll get around to that Aaron Sorkin film eventually. <laughs> oh, just that, you know, highly respected film writer and maker. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll watch his works. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he's been getting a, lo- a lot of flack for this movie, not from critics, but from like general audiences. And I don't know why I'm going to have to do some research into it, but... I guess watch it and maybe that you can find out why. <laughs> yeah, I really don't know what... Hmm. What what happened? <laughs> what he's doing? But I, I think Aaron Sorkin he 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 he's always kind of attracted that sort of controversy from particular groups of people though. Hmm. And I I to this day I don't know why. Um, I just I, I watch his work and enjoy it. So, whereas something that's happened the opposite way around, and I'm only mentioning this because <laughs> it's in response to Bam. Uh, Joss Whedon has been the nerd groups golden boy because uh, his work's been very much loved and then it turns out he's a bit of a dick <laughs> yeah um but yeah no i i still like his work that's my problem so I, i'm coming to terms with that and the whole death of the author idea uh i don't necessarily believe in death of the author because they still wrote the thing they're still writing other stuff but you can draw the line at some point yourself yeah that's just a side note. It's something I was going to say during his stream, but I was too busy uh, not scoring in Rocket League. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, if if he's never really gelled with Joss Whedon's storytelling, that's fine. Because Joss Whedon, love him or hate him and love or hate his work, it is often the same sort of thing. <laughs> like Stephen Moffat. Yeah, I remember in Age of Ultron, that was when I started getting a little bit tired of every character's got to have a quip. <laughs> And stuff like that. I started getting a little bit tired of his style then. So if that is not your thing, I can definitely imagine. Yeah. Um, you not enjoying a lot of yeah, a lot of his work. Same with any era of the new Doctor Who. I think the old series managed to not fall into the same tone for stuff. But new Doctor Who, yeah. If you watch an RTD era story, you know you're watching an RTD era story. I mean, obviously, if you know David Tennant was one of the was the most prominent doctor in that era, then you can figure that out pretty easily. But yes. I think you know what I mean. If if you're watching a story from a t- particular era, then you know what era you're watching, even if it's not written by Stephen Moffat, Russell T. Davies, or Chris Chibnall. Mm. But I like the, the Moffat era, especially his stuff, but I like most of the stuff that happened in that era. So it's that sort of thing, I think. If you yeah. if you resonate with their, their voice as a, as a writer, as a executive producer that sets the tone of other people's stories as well, then it works for you. Uh, if you like a, a good old quip-filled um, <laughs> story, then you, you might like uh, Joss Whedon stuff, but Bam just obviously didn't connect with Joss Whedon stuff. Yeah, um, and Bam will be on the show soon at some point. Oh, hell yeah. As well. We're going to figure that out. Yes. Maybe when I finish Ratchet, then we'll just go on a rant about that. Oh, that's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> we'll do normal features with him, but we'll have a main feature of you two talking about Ratchet, and I'll just get yeah. the popcorn out. <laughs> Occasionally you'll just hear crunch from me. <laughs> <laughs> which is like it's going to be so long after it gets released that we're not going to get any new listeners right now in a feature ratchet review but i just really want to talk about ratchet yeah. <laughs> with someone who absolutely <laughs> hates it so, that's coming up soon i mean bam obviously if you want to do that you can let yeah, us know yeah. and on that note listeners you can contribute to the show you can by contacting us the email address is feedback.nerdout at gmail.com Com. There yeah, is the yeah. Facebook page. You can message that. There is the Instagrams. They are all nerd out with Rob Lloyd, Jen Spears, and Sandra Felcher because at some point this show will get its own accounts and everything. Um, probably by the time lockdown is over. I'm impressed with how smoothly you said all that. It's like you're really in practice after we've said it for 27 episodes. Yeah. Well oh, done. Just doing three podcasts and having to wrap them all up all the time. <laughs> yeah. You get into a bit of a flow. Um, but yeah, that's everything. Next week, more of the same. Uh, <laughs> but it'll be different. But it will be different. Uh, Nerd Out is back on Friday. We will be reviewing Raised by Wolves. Very excited for that. And then Oldie Buddy Goody as well. This week is an erotic romantic movie called Thief of Hearts, and it was garbage. <laughs> yeah, I picked up on that when you said erotic fantasy movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or romance Incredibly movie, or romance. problematic movie. Uh, 
Yeah, I picked up on that when you said erotic movie. <laughs> From the 80s. Yeah, they're all bad. <laughs> Sometimes on that show, we watch a movie and we're just like, why do we do this show? <laughs> and then the week after, uh, we do something else and it's really good. So anyway, all that's there. This is a, uh, let's wrap this episode up. That's yeah. it. I'm saying goodbye. Until next time, make sure you nerd out all that stuff. Thank you for listening as always. It's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. Awesome. I think they were really good. And that was that spot was on 10 seconds as well for me. <laughs> oh yeah, pretty close for me as well. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> okay, um, let me think of an intro. Oh yeah. Uh, mm, when's this coming out? This is coming out on the... Oh, on my birthday. That's cool. Oh, really? Yeah. Will you be 27? <laughs> <laughs> that would be great if I was, but no. <laughs> oh, that could be a funny intro, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was trying to think about how to make it work. Yeah, I don't know. I think you've got to be in the right mood as well. Oh, um, my God. That's another thing. That hmm? Oh, I just said I'll cut that one because that was a oh. really loud <laughs> All right. squeal down the hallway. <laughs> or bloopers. Hi, bloopers. Or bloopers. Or bloopers. <laughs> or bloopers.